0: Go talk to Scoop Jackson. He's never been a part of a bad team from ESPN, (laughs) one of the great NBA insiders in America. Scoop, we'll get to the East and West finals in a moment, but uh, your thoughts on the NBA having a lottery for the draft instead of, you know, worst to first, lining up from one all the way until the end of the first round.
1: No, you know what? I like what you're saying, and I, I agree with what you're saying, but I also get the other side. Um... And, and I'm kind of like not really all over the place, but I'm split, I'm split between the middle, and I think there's everything in what they're doing is correct. Uh, but I also see why they want to put a lottery in place because it keeps public interest alive during the course of the season for not just one team, for several teams um, at the bottom of the barrel. Excuse the expression. So, you know, it's like, Okay, Detroit is having a bad season, but still there's a chance. So there's still an interest with them, even if they don't have the worst record in the NBA. There's still a you know, a feeling of um, you know, chance for the Rockets, still a chance for San Antonio, still a chance for Charlotte. Just from public interest standpoint, it's good to have a lot because throughout the season, you don't have to have the worst record in the league to automatically guarantee that you're gonna get the number one pick. And I think that helps with public interest. Um, over the course of, you know, the back end of the season when you know you're going to be in the lottery. That being said, I don't see where there's a mandate being in place that you are breaking any laws as a franchise member of the National Basketball Association that says you have to try to win. <laughs> you know, if if you like you said, can increase your chances. You know, even though I'm not the most from worse to, you know, uh, worse to whatever. But if you can increase your chances of getting that number one pick, of getting a high pick by losing, and there are players out there that you know can not only just change your franchise around but give your franchise a lift, then why shouldn't you be able to do that from a strategy standpoint? You know, unless there's some laws that you and I don't know about that once you sign up to own an NBA team or be a part of, be a franchise as part of the NBA, that by contract you have to at least attempt to win, until they do that, then there's nothing wrong with tanking at all because it's a strategy. It's a strategy just just like playing his own defense or fouling somebody on purpose because they can't shoot free throws and try to keep yourself back in the game.
0: Scoop Jackson, ESPN Chicago.
1: I see see, see both sides of it. That's why I guess I'm getting. I I see both sides of exactly what you're saying, so I agree with you, but I understand you
0: know, why they just don't make it a – why they have a lottery system in place, I guess that's what I'm saying. And as I was saying, Scoop Jackson, ESPNChicago.com, he knows the NBA. Yeah, it's just – maybe it stings a little bit more when, you know, we're in Michigan and the Pistons and, you know, you're just looking – this team is underachieving. I I, God, I don't know who's going to – what coach is going to take over. It'll be interesting. We'll touch on that in a moment. But – and I want to get to coaches also about Izzo and the possibility – uh, with the Ishbia connection, you know, could he be a frontrunner for the Phoenix job? Uh, but Job Moran, I think the last time you were on, we talked about this. Uh, you know, the latest, you know, Instagram Live or, or social network video, wherever it was, uh, just another stupid decision from a young kid who has the world uh, right there in front of him. Uh, wh- what do you think is his future?
1: Um, are you asking a basketball question or are you asking a person question? Both,
0: both, <laughs> both, man. I, I like to talk about the people too, not just uh, you know whether or not you right. scored 26 and a half a game and, and you got a great right. windmill dunk. Uh, let's talk both. Uh, okay. uh, let's start with his personal life first and then uh, when is he back on the court again and will it be with Memphis?
1: Okay, I, I think from his personal standpoint, I think what we're dealing with with John ja Morant is basic and yes, it is immaturity uh, but it's also insecurity and I think until we get to the bottom of why what, what the insecurity that he's dealing with with him as a person that has nothing to do with the game of basketball because I do think that's probably where his security lies in his ability to know that this is a safe place for him, that this is where he can be secure because he knows what he has the capability of doing within the basketball court. I think there's insecurity in everything else in his life. Like, he has no idea what he can do and who he's supposed to be. And I think that's what manifests itself in some of the decisions that he's been able to make, that he's basically made, uh, that have been a detriment to, you know, his basketball career. I I think he really has not found out who he is, and I don't think he knows. I don't think he has the capability of finding that out without, you know, covering himself with something that makes him feel like something he's not. You know, and at the end of the day, if you talk to anybody who's in any level of psychology, they will basically direct that to his insecurities. And we're watching his insecurities play themselves out. Um, And from a personal standpoint, I don't know if that's going to change until we get to the bottom of that. Now, the other problem with that personal thing is you know, what What type of effect is this going to have on his life? And this is where basketball comes in. Once it hits him that these decisions that he's made have affected his basketball legacy, not his career. Bill, I'm talking about two different things. Not his career specifically, but his legacy. And the one thing that bothers me so much about hearing – everybody speak on this is especially from the perspective of being a young black individual is everybody associates his decisions with the money they feel he's throwing away and it bothers me because that instant direct correlation means that our lives and our value and he's only about and his values only attached to money. Well he's throwing away 30 million dollars and he's throwing away 50 million dollars and he just lost so many other million. everything's attached to money as, as you know, as opposed to himself and his basketball life. So let's take the money out of it, and that's what I said his basketball legacy. when he sits back and looks back at 25 years from now, when they're doing the NBA 100, and he knows he's supposed to be in that 100. The same way Dame Lillard is in the 75. You know what I'm saying? When he looks back and says, damn, I'm not in the 100. And the only reason, Derrick Rose can blame it on the injury. Penny Hardaway can blame it on the injury. You know, what I'm all these other players that didn't make it can say this is something that was out of my control. When John Moran looks back and they're doing the NBA 100 and he's not in it, he's going to have to mentally deal with the fact that that's on him. He's the one that got himself out of having the true basketball legacy that he deserved, that he fought for, the one that he wanted as a kid. Kids don't, especially, you know, even though money has a little bit to do with it, you don't put that type of work in for as long as most kids do, especially coming from urban settings, to put a dollar value on what it is you're going to do with the rest of your life. Yes, money has something to do with it, but that's not when you're out there on these playgrounds and these parks playing AAU, bust your ass at 5 in the morning conditions. You're not thinking about money. You're thinking about your place in the game. And what's going to mess up John Morant, I believe, is down the line is when he realizes that it was on him that his place in the game is either not being discussed or not. And that all plays into the mental capacity of what this and his decisions are going to wind up having on him. So once again, we need to get to the insecurity issues that are forcing him to try to be something that he's not, that are forcing him to make these bad decisions and flexing the way that he's flexing to overcompensate for something that's not there. And looking at the fact that regardless of the money, move the money out of this, the impact this is going to have on him mentally when he realized he screwed up his basketball legacy. Not money, not content. This is basketball legacy because of this. Now, to the basketball side of it, do I think he'll play again in a Memphis uniform? Um, I think yes. But when that's going to be, I have no idea. Um, I don't uh, – yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what the brain trust and the front office and, you know, of the other Memphis Grizzlies, once they get together with the NBA – and decide, you know, you know, not just the value to the team and not just the value to the NBA, but what's in the best interest of him. Because I believe what they're going to wind up doing, and this is where I think it's going to hurt his basketball more than anything, is that the first lesson in their mind are going to be like, okay, this didn't get to him. So what do we have the power to do to make something get to him? because they could really take the stance that – and I think it would be wrong, but they could take a stance that he just straight-up lied to us. He sat up there and went through all this, that and the other, and said he you know, got the help that he felt that he needed, that he was going to make the changes that you know we all discussed need to be made. And in less than two months, he turned around and was back to doing the same thing. That means either he didn't get it or he lied to us. And hopefully it's not the latter. You know, But if it is the former – then what do we as a league and a team have to do to help him, you know, to get back on the basketball court as, as as a different person, as the one that we're, like, not letting get back on the basketball court? And, you know, it has to be a joint venture with the NBA because as much as it's going to hurt the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies financially, it's going to hurt the league, but not as much. But if he's playing franchise, You know, face a franchise with the league, then yeah, the league's going to take a hit, too. Um, But they can't let that be a decision. They can't let that monetary thing be a basketball decision because if they're earnest about how they feel this kid is, and if, if they're earnest in what they say this kid means to both the league and to the organization, then they'll put his basketball interest first about what's best about getting him back on the court and how long... Is going to take to take basketball away from him in this moment to make him make the changes that are necessary. Now, what that is, I don't know. I can't. I can't put a number on like twenty five games, fifty games, a whole season. You know, I don't know what that's going to be. But you know, um, I think it, I. I don't want to use the word significant, but that's that's so open. But I could. I could. I. Whatever the decision is going to make is what they think is going to be best for him to get it for it to make sense, for him to really, really deep down and deal with what he has to deal with and make them feel that the next time we have conversations with him, he's not BSing us, he's not lying to us, and that he gets it from both sides. Not just from himself, but from both sides. And I hate to be long-winded, but we also have to deal with the fact of, and this is something nobody's asked, I don't think, and it'll be a great discussion for you and I to have later on. Is this what he really wants? I know he's only 22 years old, but he's making decisions that are railroading his basketball career, which we think that he wants because that seems to be what everybody wants. You know, you get a chance to better your life and, you know, add money and add fame and all this. Other. But if he But make a decision that he really, you know, this is not important to him, yeah, he wants it, but he doesn't want everything that, you know, you have to do to get it. He's cool right now with his life as is, you know, we need to really find out and talk to him and find out, you know, once he gets his mind clear gets his the is being the John Morant that we all want him to be, what he really wants. He may not want this, man. He may not want the what comes with this. You know, but until we ask him to sit down and talk to him, have a real clear and concise heart-to-heart conversation with him, and I don't know who's going to have a conversation with him, if this, you know, the life that is in front of him may not be the one that he wants. And these decisions that he's making to position himself to be the person that he's presenting in front of it, in front of us, may be more important to him. You know, being that person may be more important to him than having that basketball legacy, but we don't know.
0: Scoop Jackson, uh, ESPNChicago.com, great NBA insider. I like how he thinks outside the box. This Ja Morant story, by the way, per TMZ, the latest is Nike has removed all of Jaw's new sneakers from their website. Maybe just a message uh, to Ja. Also, you mentioned the possibility of. Yeah,
1: that's more yeah, PR marketing. I don't think they're going to drop them. No, no,
0: no, they didn't drop them. They just removed right. them and, you know, sent in a message and, hey, we don't support it. I I get that because the shoe was one of the hottest selling shoes before this latest uh, video. I, I do agree that the one thing that will, you would think, and we're all on the outside looking in, would be a half a year suspension, would be that 40 games, would be the full year that you send that message, but also the NBA scoop, as you well know, they're in the entertainment business, and John Moran is one of their biggest stars. So what do you do?
1: That's what I'm saying. But, you, once again, you have to, I think, in these particular cases, look long-term. You have to look at the long game, and if the NBA and Adam Silver and the Brain Trust and Mark Tatum and all of them, you know, everybody who gets together to make the decision on this understands that the long game is what benefits the NBA 95 and a half times out of 99, so you, if it takes him missing a whole year to get him to have 18, that's a smart game to play. Because you look at LeBron James's career, you look at, you know, Kevin Durant's career, you look at Steph Curry's career, you know, the longevity is what is in the best interest of the NBA because they can still generate money and generate interest by that player being on the court for a long period of time. So, you know, treat it like, from their standpoint, you know, we're going to treat this like an injury where he may be out 18 months or he may be out for two years. You know, but our end game is to have John Moran on the court for as long as we possibly can because that's what benefits the league from the standpoint of the question you just asked. So if they treat it like that, they should be fine. You know, but the thing is not to try to... Because we've seen this spring back so immediately, because it's only been two months between incidents, they have to make sure that they play this out the right way so that there is longevity that they benefit from it from the league by having him on the court because, as Stephen A says, he is box office, you know, not just for Memphis but for the league, you know, and, and, and for the – you know, Nike's a partner with the league. So in all parties involved, the long term is the best way to do it. So if it's got to be a half a season, if it's got to be 50, if it's got to be the whole season in order for them to get it right, then that's what they got to do. What, what's your old saying, man? You got uh, to lose a million to make three? You know, if they got to lose this season to make the thirty million, or the forty million, or the five hundred million, I'm just saying money. You know, not attaching it to him, but from their standpoint, to get what they want out of it, because they're more about money than anybody else. So, yeah, that's the game we got to play. We got to keep the long game in mind.
0: I agree, and that's why I, I believe a year would be the message to him. Like, man, you got to show us you're going to get your suspension. You know, uh, still be a part of the organization. Uh, the NBA, but you got to show us that you're going to mature and be worthy of being the superstar in our organization that you have become. So we'll see how that plays out. Before I let you go, I have three questions. One, who wins the West, Lakers or Nuggets? Two, who wins the East, Uh, Miami with an unbelievable comeback last night, or the Celtics? And Tom Izzo's name is on the short list to be the next coach of the Phoenix Suns. The obvious connection with Matt Ishbia, who played for him, and Matt Ishbia, uh, the biggest, I think, uh, Michigan State donor slash booster. So let's begin with those first two questions. Who wins the West? Who wins the East? And then we'll get to the Izzo question.
1: Yeah, as much as I think the uh, Lakers are have a strong chance in in, in getting to the finals, I, I, I hate to say this, I just think they haven't been together long enough. And this Denver team is finally healthy, and they had—you know—this is the first time I think they've ever really been healthy, uh, and having everybody at playing max potential. And I think this has been on their mind for more years than than it has been the Lakers just getting together right now. So I'm taking Denver uh, to come out of the West. Um, I, I, I just—I ha- don't have consistent trust in Boston, uh, especially Jason Tatum. You know, he, he's amazing, but we're seeing—you know the same um, up and down in his game to games. And I'm not, you know, putting the conversation with other players and we've seen it been inconsistent. But, you know, he against a team, you know, that's as good and coming together as Miami has been right now, and if you look at what they did during the regular season, winning as many close games as Miami did, I think they won more close games than anybody else in the NBA, you know, within five points this year. Um you know, and, and, and the cohesiveness that they have, there's no room for error for you know Jason Tatum to do what he did last night in the second half and fourth quarter, and to have another game, you know, where he, you know, doesn't he ain't got to score 51, but he can't just disappear. He can't afford to have bad games, you know, two or three bad games in this series against a team this close. So I got Miami coming out of the uh, coming out of the East in this one, um, and in the Tom Izzo thing, I don't. It's nice to have his name. I think he may be interested. He may even interview for it. I'm not sure, but I don't, I don't think Tom does wants a headache. I, I really don't think he wants a headache. I think he's been in Michigan State. I think his place in the college game is what it is. I don't think he has to prove anything. I don't think he has any insecurities about what his coaching legacy is, where he's like, oh, i got to go out there and play. I mean, a, a coaching NBA to prove that I'm this great. Of a, I don't think he has any of that. And I think he's been around the game long enough and has had enough players You know that have been in the league, and he's connected to the league long enough to know that you know as great as it is, and you know I I don't think this is yeah. As great as it is, at this time I don't don't need this headache. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? This this, going to the NBA as a coach coming from college. Let let the young folks do that. You know, let, let them have that. I I am good. He does not need NBA players and NBA front office headaches
0: at this stage in his career. I I cannot see him taking it. Scoop Jackson, ESPNChicago.com, the best NBA insider in the business, joining us on the Rose Tumber Coffee Guest Line. Uh, One final thought, speaking of coaches and openings, a ton in the NBA. I think the Pistons are at the bottom of the pecking order when you look at some of the really star-packed rosters that a new coach could take over. Your thoughts on who ends up coaching the Pistons moving forward?
1: That is a good question, because uh, you have all this, you have all these rotating tables and rotating chairs and rotating movements of what coaches going to wear and who's going to sit out. In all honesty, man, I, I I'll say this, because I don't know if this is true or not, because I, I I have a hard time believing us in the media what's true and what's not true, because we're horrible at giving our information at times. I do believe if Mark Jackson is seriously interviewing, then I could see him actually getting nabbed for the job in Detroit, and I think he would take it. But I don't know if he's really interviewing or not.
0: But if he, if it's out there that he's interviewing, I don't think he'd be he playing. He's not playing it to try and get one of those other teams to hire him, is he?
1: I, I think at this point, as long as he's been out of the game, um, I, I think he's willing to, like, hey, let's just get back in the game. I don't think he's looking for – an elite job is going to get him a championship right now. I don't think Mark Jackson minds going to an organization that is going to give him the keys and, and let him build from the ground up. And somebody who tells him, look, you know, we know we did, you didn't get a chance to finish what you started in Golden State, but we saw what you were able to start in Golden State. So here are the keys. You start there with us. You know, and, if he, and he, I don't think Mark Jackson will mind starting from that position again. So. You know, um, you know, it's, and I, you know, I, I can, I can actually just see that happening. Cause I, I can't see like a Nick Nurse going there. You know, I can't, well, we know what mays already gone. He's gone to Houston. But, uh, I don't see a Monty Williams going there. You know, I, I don't see Doc Rivers taking that type of step back. So, you know, you look at all the other young minds in the game, you know, and some of the other assistant coaches that are, names are being tossed around. I just think for Detroit and what they have, if he's interviewing, I could see that just sitting hand in hand. I really could.
0: And I wouldn't mind that move because I, I don't think when you uh, – about Ali and other assistants out there, I don't. if there was a guy that the Pistons liked, they would have hired him uh, by now. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Scoop, uh, always love the conversation with you, my man. We will catch up as the NBA playoffs roll on and get to the finals. Sounds good, my
1: man. Appreciate you having me
0: on, man. Yeah, back at you. Scoop Jackson joining us.